I think this gives people less choices uh, if this if this lawsuit goes through, as opposed to what they have now, which is every opportunity, every choice uh, to negotiate. This is Byron Lazine and Nicole White, and you are tuned into episode 141 of The Real Word. Word is up. Let's get right into it. This is big news. If you're a real estate agent, if you're a broker, if you're in the industry and you care about your industry, this is huge news. Judge denies motion by NAR and the top brokerages that are involved in this class action lawsuit to dismiss buyer commission lawsuit so nar and a number of these uh big names in in real estate brokerage like realogy and keller williams who are named in this class action lawsuit filed uh to dismiss the lawsuit and that was denied by judge andrea wood who argued that the plaintiffs would have paid substantially lower commissions if not for the buyer broker commission rule so if you're unfamiliar with this, and we've talked about this in the past here on it's the been, Real Word. It's, it's actually been a little while. It's since, been a while. Since we have chatted about this. Talked so. about it really in 2019. I don't think we've talked about it at all in 2020. I don't think that we... Well, there's been so many other things to discuss right. in 2020. Uh, but really, this class action lawsuit started in 2019 with... Uh, what's the guy's name here? Christopher... Christopher, our Is his buddy, name Christopher, Christopher, Christopher. Mo- Morrill, the lawsuit filed in 2019 on behalf of seller Christopher Moherl. Yeah, so this seller basically wanted to start this class action lawsuit, uh, thought the agreement that he, I think he was in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> it's not saying exactly it's where saying he's from, but there, it sounds like there's a couple related lawsuits. If I remember correctly, I think Sharing that's where commissions from. between the listing and buyer broker. Yeah. So essentially he argues that this listing contract, when he sold his home, that he signed on his own free will uh, was basically cornering him into buying or paying for the buyer broker commission without his knowledge. And he had really no other choice to do it. Uh, and it kind of cornered him into the, into this situation. Hmm. Right. No I mean, other that, choice. I mean, that's basically kind of what, what he yep. argues that, that the industry is set up where the sellers have to pay the buyer broker commission and they have no options uh, and this judge agrees that this lawsuit should move forward. I will say that NAR and, uh, you know, like Realogy, for example, stand, you know, firm in their position. Here's a spokesperson for Realogy. We are disappointed in the court's decision and continue to believe this case is without merit. There's a lot of comments. We're going to link up the There's Inman so article. so many comments. Lots and lots of comments. I see long comments, paragraph yes. style comments from agents on this article. I encourage you, if you're an agent, to read this. This is something to pay attention to. Uh, I know NAR said basically, you know, they're disappointed in the ruling, but they told Inman that it was only the first round. Is this the first round of a 12-round fight? You know how these things can drag on for years, these class action lawsuits? Uh, is this a six round fight? Is it a nine round? I think it's probably going to be a 12 round fight. It's going to go all the way. All the way. With NAR. Uh, I, I think so. I, I think they're gonna, so going like to. So like 12 to, rounds? Like what are you thinking? Like 12 years? I mean, this is, this I, is, 
I, th- I feel like there's so many different angles to it because depend and, and each state is so wildly different depending on how your contract is written or how yep. things are disclosed or, you know, because technically like a seller is paying the agent and then the agent is offering paying out. Paying the brokerage, yeah. Right. Like we're offering out this like collaboration fee, I guess. Right. Um, but again, I don't I don't know any other well, state besides yeah. our own. Or, and, but each but each um, company is different. Like my listing agreement where at Ravis where we are now, it was wildly different from Colwell Bankers. Mm. But it's still prim- uh, along the same the premise same. Of, yes. of the broker is going to get yes. paid on the listing side and then pay out the, the yes. buyer broker. And that's, while there are some some different rules around disclosure and, and state rules, that's typically basically how it goes across the country. As the case moves forward, we intend to demonstrate how the MLS system creates competitive, efficient markets that benefit from buyers and sellers as well as small business brokerages. This is a spokesperson for NAR telling Inman, the MLS fosters cooperation between brokers providing the best and greatest number of options for buyers and sellers. So... That's their position. Obviously, the class action lawsuit says that's not the case. In denying this motion to dismiss, Judge Andrea Wood argued that the plaintiffs would have paid substantially lower commissions if not for this, uh, basically the way this is set up. Um, They would have paid these lower commissions. In some plaintiffs' allegations plausibly show that the buyer-broker commission rules prevent effective negotiation over commission rates and cause an artificial inflation of buyer broker commission rates in the market served by the MLS services identified in the lawsuit. So that all those different MLSs. Basically, this judge is agreeing that these commissions are highly inflated the way the MLS cooperation system works, right? So if I'm listing my home with you and you're saying, hey, my commission is 6%, which you're going to tell me it's completely negotiable, right? Of course. Uh, But you're also going to tell me that you've got to pay the buyer broker. And when you look at the MLS, all the buyer brokers are paid X amount. Do you want to, you as the seller, stay in line with what's being offered to all these buyer brokers? I say, okay, that means reasonable. Yes, I agree. Boom, right. sign. Yep. And uh, their position is that that is inflating these uh, sellers' co- the, costs. These costs, and that the buyer should have to pay the commission for themselves and negotiate directly with the agent or the broker that they're using for their commission on their side. And same thing for the seller, which theoretically in their case here would bring those commissions down because there'd be more free and open negotiation. What do you think, if that were to happen, mm-hmm. right? If this lost class action lawsuit, they win and now we've got to go to that scenario. Let's just let's just play, um, you know, play out the scenario. Buyers now have to pay their buyer agents and sellers have to pay their listing agent and and the listing agent's not paying the buyer broker. What happens to the industry as we know it? Well, and and I can't even, because I'm trying to wrap my brain around how that would all work, right? So obviously the seller is paying, so let's just, right, well, we won't say percentages, right? Don't they tell us to like talk yeah. bananas? So say your seller is giving you two bananas, but if you, so that, so if the, if the buyer now doesn't want to pay a fee, but if you're going directly to the listing agent, and if that listing agent is actually working for you, wouldn't that listing agent then re- want to require some sort of, buyer compensation if they're if they're yeah is that is that listing agent now negotiating compensation 
with the buyer right. now that, that's coming to them. And so is instead that- of just getting two bananas that, mm. you know, if you're, if you're signing a contract and part of that contract is compensation. And again, we know that most broker brokerages like there to be some sort of minimum compensation for what we're doing as agents. Are they then required to then have to sign them up as a buyer? So the buyers, even if they're going directly to, cause we all know even going directly to a listing agent, the listing agent is still getting the full amount of commission. It, I can tell you exactly what would happen well, if this happens. Of course, the listing agent probably won't require them to, to, no, to, to do Probably not. That'll probably be the way it goes. And, and the listing agents would win uh, in this case. If you're a dominant listing agent, you'd be fine. Be, you know, Most of your business is built off of listings. Here's what would happen. It would be interesting though. My only question there is, is like, especially right now when there's so like multiple offers, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are now 12 agents responsible for 12 different buyers. And I'm just saying, cause there's 12 offers, you know, like, so what that, I, I wonder though, if there isn't a buyer, is that listing agent even really able to then get that seller the best price for their home? Cause then now you're managing 12 different people that are, like hypothetically yeah, I mean, your buyers this this would open up everything that's wrong with dual agency this would open that can of worms up even more and i can tell you right now if this were to happen where buyers have to pay their buyer agent directly and you know the sellers pay their listing agent directly 99% of buyer agents would not exist so zillow should be paying attention to this because that's their whole flex model is built off of getting referral fees from buyer agents, which are paid from the listing broker to the buyer broker. Well, like we talked last week, though, now they're now they're employees. I mean, they, they're like a step ahead of this little decision. Uh, possibly, possibly. Uh, there's a comment here that's referring to a quote in the article. The broker commission structure also ensures greater access for first time low income and many other home buyers who otherwise couldn't afford a home purchase. Think about it. If you're in the median well, that price person point did as a say, buyer. What? I mean, I don't think he agrees, but. Well, well, there's a lot of people that agree, disagree. My yeah. point is this person that made that comment is absolutely correct. Here's why. The, the median price uh, buyer, you know right now, because we're seeing all these multiple offers. We all know, you guys know what's happening. The median price point, whether it's 200, 300, 350 in your market, whatever it is, that median price point. How often are those buyers asking for their closing costs to be in the deal? Eight eight times out of 10. Right? Like their bank fees, they want wrapped in the deal so that they can finance it. There is little to zero chance that that buyer is now going to have a pool of cash to go and pay a buyer broker. So they're just going to say, you know what? I'm not going to use a buyer broker. Right. I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to go directly to the listing, make my offers, and not worry about that extra expense. My goal here as a buyer is to buy a home. Right. Okay. And a lot of people don't understand that National Association of Realtors is set up to protect the consumer, that the MLSs and the cooperation that we sign up for as real estate agents in our industry and the code of ethics that we sign off on is set up to protect buyers and sellers, right? We have an ethical obligation to do that. Now, if a buyer who just wants what they want, they wanna move out of the apartment, we're living in a health crisis, I wanna get a home, I need a yard. When they go to that listing agent, they're not thinking, is that listing agent going to screw me? They're thinking, what's the best way for me to get a home? And I can't 
afford to pay the buyer agent and get the information that I need right. to actually make a successful deal. I, I'm just going to do the negotiation on myself. It will wipe out the buyer agents out of this industry. Mm-hmm. We will be Europe. You will see people on, and now, I mean, sellers are going to say, you know what, Let, let's even like reduce your commission a little bit here. Are you, but I, it's funny though, because are you seeing, I'm seeing more and more for sale by owners right now. I know, I'm yeah. seeing a lot. What? I'm not, I haven't seen a lot, but I'm, hmm. I know. I've visited at least three in the really? last week. Yes. They're all willing to cooperate. Right. They're willing to give out a, bri- a buyer broker fee because they know that that's incentive to get people in. Mm. But I mean, we, we've seen when the market gets good and, th- and that's why you're probably seeing it a lot right now with some of, of the buyers you're working with. We've seen this in history, uh, you know, an increase in for sale by owners when the market gets good. But why hasn't that actually caught on? Why haven't, you know, listings for a fee actually caught on? Because people don't get the job done themselves. Right. They can't literally, there's a million hats of real estate. Uh, absolutely. The it's whole so organizational much beyond. process. It is a part-time job. And if you're a seller or a buyer and you actually have a job, because most people do have a job because they need income to buy. Right. Or, or, or you know or they got the house because they've got income. If you actually have a job and a life and kids, you can't take on this part-time job, nor do the really intelligent, highly intelligent buyers and sellers in the marketplace want to take this job on themselves because it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of steps in in, in, in this process right. and they just don't literally want to do it and they're incapable of getting that top value because they, they're doing it once out of every you know seven years or however often they move, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Do you want somebody giving you surgery that does it once of every seven years? You want somebody giving you financial advice that only pays attention to finances once out of every seven years, right? That's well, why will people a buyer use real even, estate professionals. And will a buyer even go to a for sale by owner? You know? Hmm. Anyway. Buyers typically don't want to go to the for sale. Typically they don't. Right? Typically they don't. But again, I think that that's why it's smart that at least they're offering out something to cooperate with an agent. But no, I I, I can't imagine they would. I can't imagine like I, I like I look at my kids. Obviously they're wildly younger, but I'm confident that the age of eighteen, nineteen, or you know, obviously maybe even older, when they want to go buy a house, I mean, you are really out there on your own if you don't have any what? sort of representation to help guide you, attorneys and you know inspection what, items what and, blows my ah. mind about this and the reason I, i'm surprised that the judge didn't dismiss uh, and that, that this is going to go forward uh because i do believe this has absolutely no merit this seller uh the the lawsuit filed in 2019 on on behalf of christopher uh morrell uh is one of two related lawsuits seeking class action status that alleged sharing of commissions between the listing and buyer broker this seller to your point had the ability to say no, the commission was negotiable, could have interviewed. I wonder how many uh, actual brokers Christopher interviewed and, and how much negotiating this individual done, did. This individual also had the ability to go listing for a fee directly into the MLS. Right. This individual also had the ability to go for sale by owner. This is called, uh, you know, maybe like an open market, right? Where people can make their own decisions. And, uh, you know, this particular individual could have literally paid a fee to go on the MLS. Right. Uh, I don't think it's much. I think it's like $500 or $300. Right. I think yeah, it it's really, like 500 bucks. Yeah. So to me, with all the options available to sellers, 
which is everything because everything's completely negotiable or they can do it themselves, right? right? Like you can do it yourself. Um, with all these options, it is a little crazy that, that they are entertaining this lawsuit. Now there's a lot of agents in the comments that disagree with me. You go to Carmen right at the top. I'm a realtor since 1989 and I'm so glad this is happening. I don't agree with the structure at all. I believe the buyer needs to pay the buyer's agent for actual buyer representation. Seller's agent can advertise that their seller is willing on this transaction to pay a buyer broker fee. Buyer must sign a representation agreement with the fee spelled out. They also need to be 100% pre-approved. I mean, okay. That, that, like, yeah. hello, Carmen. Right. Having uh, board people going through home. Then this is somebody just complain, complain. How much, Carmen, can you complain in one comment? I don't even want to press C more, and I can't on, on the piece of paper there, uh, <laughs> because all you've done after your point here is complain yeah. that you don't want people uh, that are just looking, okay? Like, what business, what product doesn't have people that just look. look. You go into a clothing store, some people are looking, some people are buying. You go to a car dealership, some people happen to be looking and getting the free uh, cupcake and the coffee. Some people happen to be driving off the lot with a car. You're on Instagram, something pops up, maybe a nice hat, maybe some sunglasses. Some people click the little thing and do a little looking. Some people buy. Okay, there's gonna be people that look before they buy, Carmen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure you're a very nice realtor since 1989. Carmen. I hate people that start off. This is why, and I love you, Carmen. I don't hate you. I'll take that back. Uh, I don't know you. Uh, what I hate is agents that have to tell you how long they've been in the business before they make their point. Nobody cares that you've been in since 1989. Yeah. Uh, you, you've clearly, I get that you've clearly made your money, right? Because you've been doing it this way since 1989, 31 years. Okay. What I would, would say is Carmen, uh, don't know much about you, but maybe you wouldn't even be in this industry if these were the rules, okay? You might not even have had the opportunity because we're at 1.3 million members of NAR right now. We'd probably get rid of about a million and only need 300,000. I know Zillow agrees with that number that we don't need this many agents. Just look at what they're doing with the Flex program. We don't need this many agents theoretically, okay? Uh, the buyers and the sellers are only concerned about their transaction. They're not concerned about our industry. This is the moment that your dues actually mean something uh, with NAR and these other brokerages uh, having to defend themselves in this lawsuit. Do I, do I think, hmm. you know, do I think that this opens up a really healthy discussion around dual agency? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think that is a real healthy discussion to be had in this industry. But to take away, I think this gives people less choices uh, if, this, if this lawsuit goes through, as opposed to what they have now, which is every opportunity, every choice uh, to negotiate. That I agree with. I think as a consumer, you certainly are going to be losing, like you're going to be losing like a confidant. You're going to be losing somebody that you can now really truly trust and feel like they are truly working in your best interest. That whole thing is kind of weird. I mean, I'm sure Carmen is lovely and I would, I'm never one, but like, may maybe willing i mean if it's, if you're putting if the seller is willing to i don't know that all oh, that whole paragraph is interesting but i think the whole thing is very interesting and and maybe to carmen's point here you 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 do that you have some listings that just aren't willing uh yeah. to pay buyer broker but i mean i'm telling you that better be like on the front of of See, zillow the buyers better understand that not just the agents right now 
I actually like Christopher because Christopher here, Christopher Dean is talking about many don't even put any value on like the buyers. So there was someone in here, maybe it wasn't him that was talking about when you offer out the buyer broker, like that agent is getting that amount of money regardless of what kind of service you get, yep. which which I think some people are arguing too. So does Listen, it need, does something need to be fixed? Probably, but I don't, this makes me really nervous. I just don't have a solution for buyers to get the representation they need, especially first time home buyers, other than what is being practiced today with the cooperation in the MLS. Uh, the banks aren't gonna finance a buyer agent's commission, okay? No. Uh, they, they'll be willing to finance their fees for sure right. in, in the form of closing costs being covered by the seller. And listen, this is what sellers do, they are, there's a, it's a huge cost to sell your home. You gotta pay the state and the Fed conveyance tax, right, right? In, mm -hmm. in most situations. You've gotta pay your listing agent, okay? Uh, you've also gotta pay, in, in many instances in the median price point, those closing costs. And then if you wanna open yourself up to the entire market and every possibility, you, you gotta offer through your broker, and right now, today, the ability to pay that buyer broker agent yeah. um, now I'm certain sellers would say hey I'd rather pay half of the commission and have all of the buyers right uh, but that is going to leave especially those that are vulnerable to be taken advantage of on the buy side buyers without representation so if you can tell me how buyers get representation because none of them are gonna be able to pay this out, right. of, out of pocket in the median price points you can tell me how to get them representation then we've then we've got something right because then at that point your listing agent is now working for the buyer too yeah, yeah. so hmm. all right so I don't, I don't think this judge understands uh the industry i'm certain that uh judge andrea wood and the courts are going the u.s district court are going to get a real education in the way the mls works uh and the way this this industry works uh, and how it does protect consumers over the you know the length of this lawsuit. What I'll say to agents is right now, this isn't changing anytime soon. They said it's round one of the fight. So you've got years in low interest rate times, which could last, we're hearing now till 2025 potentially, you have years to get way ahead of the curve, uh, save a lot of money, uh, really create great brand in your community, take care of your clients before anything changes, but pay attention to this, uh, understand what it could mean for your business and start thinking about how you're going to be a listing agent first before everything. Right? Period. Period. All right. Racket number two. And just going back to this, I do think we need to have more discussion around dual agency. I think there is a lot that could be fixed in dual agency. That's when things get really, really bad. Uh, well, and that was one of the arguments the in there too. Oh, actually it wasn't in this article. There was a follow-up article in Inman um, that came out actually th this morning, the day after this ruling was announced and they were talking to other people um, and it was talking about, is it dual agency? Are we going back to the way that we were? But just like with more disclosure. But I, I do, I think dual agency could open, if, if dual agency isn't figured out, it could open us all up to even more lawsuits oh, absolutely. in du the future for sure. To me, dual agency is the one thing that needs the most fixing in this industry, not this. Yeah. Um, because listen, you, I mean, you had said it before we, we got on the air, like, oh, well, buyers could go and they could, you know, maybe they're not gonna go uh, hire 
you know, an agent to do represent the whole transaction. Like a consultant. Maybe they're, they're gonna hire a consultant. Really? <laughs> You're gonna because listen, people don't even want to pay the five hundred dollars for the inspection half the time. Right now, all of a sudden, they're gonna have thousands of dollars to pay someone really to consult. I've heard this before uh, in my past life. This consultant bullshit. Yeah. About well, you oh, did the you you want to do the consultant uh, thing? No, no. Listen, yeah. in my past life, I heard about this. Like, yeah. Oh, let's uh, become consultants and charge residential buyers a fee. You're not gonna have any business. You'll right. be out of business. Yeah. Residential home buyers, people looking to buy a home, don't have thousands of. This isn't a public traded company. This you know, right. Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Smith coming over to buy a home. These are people trying to buy a home. They're not gonna have thousands of dollars to pay someone. A consultant fee. They may have five hundred dollars for someone to run a comp. It's called an appraiser. Okay. Racket number two. Out of state buyers. Five tips for helping them in a hot seller's market. You know the deal. We're gonna go through these five. Uh, this is an Inman article. We'll, we'll link it up. John Glutch, and uh, we'll go through these five, and we'll say if they're a racket or not. Okay, doke. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Out-of-state buyers, this is five tips for helping them in what's a hot seller's market. Certainly in our market, it is just that. Number one, have a well-thought-out initial phone consultation. I would say that could be Zoom, that could be FaceTime. Well, that could Um, also just be a telephone call too. I I mean, obviously it can be face-to-face, but I definitely do agree. I think that a phone conversation is wildly important. Um, especially if they're not living and I, and it goes through, I mean, especially if they're not living in this, like, yeah. obviously they're not living in this area or if they're not familiar with this area. Some though out of town um, buyers are actually like coming home. Yeah. So they are pretty familiar with it. But I think you really need to get to the bottom of, are they familiar? Do they know where they want to be? What is important to... Um, you, you should have your 19, your 15, your however many questions that you ask every single time mm-hmm. that you rinse and repeat as a true buyer consultant that's maybe going to get paid from their buyer. You should have a system how you go through extracting the information mm-hmm. from uh, this buyer who's now moving into your state. Hey, how long do you plan on being in the state? Is this a long-term move for you? How long do you uh, plan on holding the house? What do you know about the uh, about the towns that you're interested in? Are you picking just houses on Zillow or are you picking towns? Right? There's a lot of information you want to extract uh, to help them through that process. So not a racket. No, not at all. I think that's wildly important. Number two, follow up often during the get to know you stage. What do you think? Uh, Follow up often. I don't understand. Keep reading. So during the first phone call, I typically explain that we are now entering the get to know you phase of the process. I I often ask them via text or phone calls for feedback, what they're liking, not liking. So probably sending emails home. Oh, yeah, yeah. So following up often to basically, um, you know, get even more information. Don't assume everything is okay. You might be sending them dozens of emails with homes they don't like as they hunt for what they do like on Zillow or with another agent. I mean, that's important with any buyer is to figure out what they like. What, I guess the most difficult part here is that I, I'm a, I'm an agent that if, if it's on your list, I want to show it to you. Um, I can't tell you how many times buyers have wanted to take things off their list and then we go look at them and then they end up buying them. So I do think that that's a wildly important, like, part of it but i think that maybe from there it's really important for you to sort of set up maybe like an a and a b because i do think that even if that maybe isn't something that they would typically want to see 
it's on their list for a reason. So if it's still available, I would still include it on a tour. I think but. he's right on. On Yeah, well, in the first tour, you got to see more houses than maybe you just think you're interested yeah, in. Yeah, but, but the follow-up is important. I think the follow-up is really important because when they initially start this process, they have that first phone call with you, they are now going to go to the internet and start looking up all kinds of stuff. They're probably going to get connected with a dozen other agents through places like Zillow or wherever uh, the case may be, and they're going to be getting all kinds of information. And you want to make sure you're answering the questions that are naturally going to pop up for them mm-hmm. as they're digging deeper into this process uh number three plan a trip for house tours obviously yeah duh (laughs) Uh, i would also say like especially if they're out of state you know plan that trip where it's like hey guys are you gonna have time to you know have lunch with me i'd love to have lunch with you guys uh downtown i know you're looking in you know x town and we've got a downtown and we can walk to this and do that and, and check out a little bit i'd give them a little bit more than just the home tour if they're out oh, of town you have to do more than a home tour i mean sometimes even with the first tour if they have time you know i'm really doing maybe just like one or two houses in each town that they're interested in so that we can actually then try to narrow down a yeah. town so that their next visit you can really do like the eight house tour in that town and then get a good sense of like the entire town uh, but unfortunately what we see a lot of times with buyers that are out of state is they're up against the schedule yeah there's not enough time but right. I, but i i also try really hard though to tell like they have to make time like this is important yeah. you know if you're coming up and you want to see eight houses in three hours there's no way that we're going to be able to achieve that effectively i, I mean bring snacks at the very yeah. least but you're going to need it like i i feel like to for it to be helpful at least two days make offers on homes they like even before they come to town <sighs> This one makes me nervous. They like. Yeah. I like that on Zillow. I no, mean, this is terrible advice. Even I agree. I mean, Total even racket. even as a listing agent, if someone is giving me an offer sight unseen, there are so many contingencies in that contract that allow that buyer to back out where it really kind of even puts my seller in like a really it, it, it's just, tight predicament too. Oof. I mean, when I'm, when I'm representing the seller, I'm representing a listing, and an offer comes in somebody sight unseen, I have a real conversation with that seller, like, hey, here's a great offer, sure. They've never seen the property. When they come for the first time in inspections, and they've got that inspector telling them this, and they're taking it all in for the first time, that's a real risk factor for you, the seller, to take this, and then now have to go back onto the market after it falls through, because then they don't like it as much as they did. I'm looking. Um, I'm I did always, have a buyer this year, though, that bought their site unseen, but yeah. they actually never even saw the house until after it closed. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't even anything in between, like the offer and the closing, that would have even like that they would have stepped foot in it to like. But that, but that's the beauty of right now, though. There's FaceTiming, there's Zoom calling, there's so many things that you know these buyers can actually see. Where I don't think it would necessarily be as unseen as maybe in the past. But I'm constantly spooky. looking at, at properties you know, on the MLS in Florida. And when I'm down there, I'm getting in and I'm looking at them in, in person. And very often, the ones that I thought I was really gonna like, and these are in communities that I know the floor plans, uh, I know a lot about the community, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know a lot about these homes and that, you know, however many different types of floor plans are being offered, because these communities, you have like, you know, six or seven different floor plans and they're just kind of rotating them through. I know a lot about them and so often are the ones that I think I love online when we go through them are not the case. Right. The floor plan is, is not what I thought it was on, you know, even though I can see the floor plan doesn't flow the same way in real yeah, life. You got to be in there or it's just 
I, this one looks really clean and it's really dirty. I'm going to yeah. have to gut out the whole place to just get rid of this person's filth. Yeah. There's a lot of that that you just don't see through photos. The other thing is the only time I would do this is in a situation like that. Like if you have been to every single floor plan in a community, uh, you know that community inside right. and so out. So it's not like you're making the offer before you've never been there. You have so much information there. on the builds, on the floor plans. And that one comes up. Of the community. Yeah. That one comes up. You know it's going to sell, but you're willing, if it's dirty, filthy, disgusting, to do the work to make yes. it not dirty, filthy, yeah. disgusting. Like, I don't think people understand that. There are some places that are so dirty, you literally got to gut the place to make it undirty. Well, that is a true, true statement. Okay. <laughs> I've seen them plenty of times. All right. So I think I, that, I think that's terrible advice. I Anytime people telling you to, really to make an offer advi- before advice, you get there. Yeah. Oh, the market's moving fast. Just make offers. No, oh, no. You end up in a house you hate and then you're selling in two years and then you're taking a 20% haircut because you got to pay all these buyer and seller fees when you go to sell it. All right. Number five, assume they won't find a house on their first visit and plan accordingly. Yeah, I think I mean, that just goes along with any buyer. I mean, if you're going in thinking it's going to be a one and done, that's silly, Um, especially I I feel like especially with these these buyers that are coming in from out of state, it's it's really kind of you're really their first introduction to this area. I mean, God forbid they pick a town that you didn't give them enough time to figure out if they really if they really liked it, not you as the agent that they really liked it's then you're you're stuck you're stuck with that review afterward you're stuck with those conversations three years later that's talking shit because like you as an agent like misdirected them and didn't i mean you cannot push anybody on their first visit i've lived in connecticut born and raised my entire life uh i've lived in really two counties new london county and new haven county Mm -hmm. i know middle six it's right in the middle of these two counties i know that very well if i were to move over to fairfield county next month and and like we've been to Fairfield County, we spent time. We know Fairfield County. We know the towns. We know a lot about about Fairfield County. We don't work in Fairfield County right now, but uh, we know a lot about it. I don't know nearly enough of any particular town, even though I've been here my entire life, to go and make a decision on buying a home. I'd have to really focus in on the schools because you know uh, I've got daughter one on the way that is going to school i'd have to really uh understand the town dynamics i'd want to understand uh the politics a little bit uh, I, i'd want to understand the history of how they've run that town where they've spent the money all that kind of stuff would be important to me as a buyer and i would be in no position yeah. to buy without gaining that knowledge of, of a, any specific town or county right yeah so Right. I mean, th- so that one's not a racket, but I do think that yeah, I, agree. I think that it's that's just a given. I four mean. for five, John. Four for five non rackets. Good job. Well done. <laughs> Good article. <laughs> we'll link that one up. And our marketeer of the week is from Realtor Mag. Gotta. You know who picked that one? Disinfection rooms become trending luxury amenity. So this this is tr- this is where we've come. This trend <laughs> this of uh, disinfection rooms. This is, is where we are. Is our marketeer of the week? Uh, the reason why this, uh, after you sent it, spoke to me in terms of being the marketeer, 
is what they talk about here. A couple paragraphs down. Well, there's a few paragraphs apartment in there that buildings. are important. Yeah. Well, even they're talking about in Miami Beach. Yeah, that's an um, apartment building. Yep. Yeah. They ha- well, even the beaches though, they have people that go out and mm. clean out on the beaches. They're like butlers, cleaning butlers. I think they're calling them. The Continuum on South Beach in Miami has taken several actions to increase disinfection in its apartment building. For example, it's offering butler. sanitizing butler to disinfect beachfront furniture and table surfaces after each use. The butler can disinfect lounge chair cushions cushions using a special a special mm-hmm. sanitizing formula. Mm-hmm. All these special sanitizing they're formulas. They're so special. They're so good. They're there's so, going to be so, so much beautiful. special like health issues that we find out about 10 years from now oh with these gosh. special sanitizing or we just, formulas. Like, or we're just, we all get so sick at some point. I mean, we're uh, so clean. The, we were talking about it before. We're like, why wasn't, why, why, why weren't the, why weren't they cleaned before? Yeah. Uh, why so, weren't those outdoor furnitures being cleaned before? Furniture's? I think if you, if you have a multifamily apartment building, if you have a uh, condo building that has a lot of common space, shared hallways, uh, this could be a, a huge marketing advantage for you as opposed to the other options that people are looking at compartment building and condos. Well, but if, I think if you're selling a single family home, no, this yeah. is stupid. I, I think it's going to be really important for for cities. So obviously, we, yeah. you know, we've been talking about people leaving New York because, but so I think that in, for those landlords, they're going to have to put something in there so that residents want to come back. Yeah. I do think it's also important because we've talked about it too because we have a condo complex that is in a building with an elevator. Yeah. So we were actually kind of maybe a little concerned, like why would they move from New York to move back into sort of a, another building that they're mm. running from? Where again, like even then in those sort of situations, maybe that becomes part of your amenity. Hey, leave the city, come here. We've got you covered. Right. You know. So I do think that. Yep, I, I agree. It I, is I, a trend, but we also did discuss like, is it is this like a long term move? I don't know. I UV don't know that lights it, that kill germs in common areas. I think even after we get through what we're living through right now, like the you know the height of a pandemic, um, and and we're not focused as much on this type of stuff. I think for a large multifamily or an apartment building or a condo building, there could still be. Well, it should always have been. You know, a, yeah. a lot of advantage, especially in ten years from now. Everybody that lived through this is gonna. It's going to be top of mind. You could have a marketing advantage. So I, f- I feel like if you're in one of those common buildings and you're a developer and you're putting this in now and you're thinking, well, th- is this even going to be relevant in two years? I think it will be relevant in two years because everybody's going to remember this, uh, you know, moment in history. And I think when you're moving into a building, it will be a perk to know uh, that the germs that others are bringing in, you never think you're bringing germs in. You I know, don't. I don't bring, I don't germs bring in any in here. germs. But the germs that everybody else is bringing in are, are going to be UV light uh, and killed on the spot in these right. common areas. And I think it could bring some peace of mind. Uh, I do believe that um, at some point we're going to go back yeah. to, to being the d- dirty, filthy humans that we all naturally are. But I are. do think for right but, now, I think it's, I think it's important. I think, yeah. I think it's smart. Anyway. All right. Uh, that was that's a long that. one. That was a long wow. one. Love like your feedback. If you're an agent on the lawsuit, we're going to be talking about this. I feel like for years until it gets settled. Uh, we haven't talked about it a lot in 2020. Here NAR, the brokerage community, they lost the first round. Where's this going in the future? Love your thoughts. And uh, whatever else you got. That's it. All right, guys. Keep it real. See ya. And that's a review. That's a review. That's a review.
All right, Ness. So many words.